Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Come to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. Uh, my name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me, as always, is our my co-host, Will, a.k.a. Mr. Darth Tuba. Will, how are you today, sir, on this auspicious day? I am doing well. Bright suns to you. Bright suns to everyone out there. And hope yes. you're all doing well. We are in a celebratory mood today. We are. We are. This is, and we'll talk a little bit more about this um, as the show goes on, as the, the, as the uh, more towards the end of the show. But this is actually our fifth anniversary. Uh, five years ago today, the very first episode of War of the Stars aired uh, back on YouTube. We were back then. We were exclusively on YouTube, um, and it's just been a really fun ride. And I'm going to thank everybody and maybe tell a few couple couple stories near the end of the uh, the heyday of War of the Stars back in the day. Uh, but for now, we are continuing our look back at another anniversary, the mm-hmm. 10 year anniversary <clears throat> of the sale of yes of lucasfilm to disney yes the walt disney company yes for for those on the podcast i am sporting my mickey golf shirt with pride and uh you know we've been talking a lot about uh i guess we focused mainly on the movies right Um, Mm -hmm. that have been released yes since uh since the acquisition and uh i think this episode we were going to kind of move over to more the the, TV, the the television yeah television and theme parks and just yeah. other areas outside of uh the, the yeah the movies because i think i think that's where even even a lot of the detractors would say disney has succeeded oh absolutely uh, even those even those that were critical of the movies and critical oh. they would say when it comes to the theme park uh, and especially the TV shows that Disney uh, that they that they they have succeeded there. And I would agree that you know you can you can have your criticisms of the movies, but for the most part, the TV series and the and the um, Galaxy's Edge have yeah. just knocked it out of the park. Well, um, yes. As someone who just came back from Galaxy's Edge uh, for you know what it seems like, I think even through pandemic, I think I've made about. This is my tenth visit or so, so uh, it it is uh, truly uh, an awesome an awesome place. So I guess we can start with that. Uh, yeah. One of the things that a lot of Disney enthusiasts were excited about when they heard about the acquisition is, oh my god, what are they going to be able to do with mm. Star Wars in the theme parks? And this is especially exciting because uh, for those who follow the Disney company uh, and their history. When Disney purchased Marvel, there was a huge, um, you know, excitement in the air, with some concerns as well. But I think when it came to the theme parks, there was the people weren't really aware of all of the uh, behind the scenes <coughs> nonsense going on, or not I shouldn't mm-hmm. say nonsense, but um, the complicated, uh, you know, agreements that were in existence. Real quick, the main one being that. Uh, Marvel was uh, had already struck a deal with Universal to run all the theme parks and uh, to run, you know, have characters and licensing in all their theme parks. Mm-hmm. Well, when Disney bought Marvel, uh, this this other deal was still in place for quite a few years. And basically, this says it goes something like uh, as long as Universal keeps Marvel characters in the parks, in their parks, then they have the <coughs> exclusive rights to this uh anywhere uh east of the mississippi so and we mentioned that in the last episode i think so one of the things that that means is that disney the uh florida parks which are considered the biggest kind of the flagship parks these days Mm -hmm. they can no longer they can't have marvel characters in the parks except for guardians of the galaxy and i'm not exactly sure why that is but uh other than that they can't I don't know if that's forever or if that's just until Universal decides they don't want it anymore. I don't know. Maybe there's other deals going on behind the scenes. But this is kind of frustrating for Marvel fans because they would like, to, even though, you know, the the Marvel land that's in uh, Islands of Adventure in, in Universal in Florida isn't all that great. And they don't really have much of a presence anywhere else. So 
they're not really doing much with it. And aside from like the comic book versions and uh, now Disney owns Marvel and, and, you know, they've just been able to open up something in Disneyland or rather California adventure and they're doing other parks as well. So when they bought star Wars, when Disney bought star Wars, you know, all, everyone was like, you know, all the Disney people were like, all right, what can they do? Because there are no rules. No restrictions. Yeah. No restrictions. Disney owns it. Disney can do whatever the heck Disney wants. And they already have a Star Wars presence in the parks with Star Tours. And, you know, they they were doing Star Wars weekends and they were doing all these things. But for those who were back and remember those days, uh, some of those events that they did were pretty fun, but like Star Wars weekends and whatnot. But they included a lot of unusual things. They had Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and the characters dressed as Star Wars characters. Mm -hmm. They had... What's um you know these hyperspace hoopla dance off kind of things? As I said on the <coughs> Google them or YouTube them, you'll see them. You'll know what I'm talking about. And they were fun, but they really weren't all that great when it came to uh, the integrity of Star Wars characters. Yeah. The minute yeah. that Disney purchased Lucasfilm and Star Wars brand, all that stopped. And it was funny that that all stopped because Disney was the one running that. But I think they just changed. They said, we are completely switching gears. We're doing something completely different. And they announced, I guess, a year or two later at um, D23, which is a big Disney um, conference, like a Comic-Con, but for Disney fans. They announced that they were building a Star Wars land. And it was going to be the biggest expansion ever in, in the history of the Disney parks. And, you know, when they made this announcement, Bob Iger stood up on that stage and he and, and you know, he said this and all the Florida people were like, woohoo, all the East Coast people were like, because he because he mentioned it and they knew it was going to go there. But then he blew everybody away because he said, we're not building one of these. We're building two. Two. And that's when all the West Coast people went, yay! <laughs> so, and they built basically. They announced they were going to be basically building two carbon copies, so to speak, you know, mm. within within the the realm of the thumbprint that they can do, uh, uh, you know, lands. And they were going to include dining and shopping, and they were going to include two attractions and walk around characters and everything else. So uh, the the ideas in everybody's minds were were just you know the I guess you could say you know what their their head cannons were thinking like what their brains could come up with um, there was some pretty intense uh, thoughts and ideas and discussions about what they could do but one area that they did that they kind of went in a direction that some people didn't like or rather some people weren't know what to think is that and this is what the Imagineers said they said look. We have to make a decision. Are we going to build this park for A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi fans? Or are we going to try to build this park for everyone? Hmm. Because, um, and that was a that was a tough, tough, tough call to make. So because if you build, like, you know, there's lots of people that want to have Tatooine or Hoth. Yeah. First of all, you cannot build Hoth in Florida, right? Or California, really. <laughs> or, or California. All right. You cannot do that. The only place you can build Hoth is where Hoth was actually filmed, Norway. That's about the only place you can get away with building Hoth. But, it, you know, could you build a Tatooine? Okay. Yeah, you could. But if you build a Tatooine, now you're basically just observing that people are going to want to see Luke Skywalker. They're going to want to see Hansel. Yeah. They're going to want to see Chewbacca. They're going to want to see Leia. They're going to want to see Jawas and Sand People and stuff like that. You're basically just rehashing Star Wars, A New Hope. So they didn't want that. Because they're not thinking about building this for the next five years or the next 10 years. They're thinking about what it's going to be like for the next 50 years or the next 100 years. So they decided instead to create their own land called Batu or Black Spire Outpost on the planet of Batu. Okay. And, or in a more general comment, Galaxy's Edge. And it would be a haven for smugglers and there would be a resist they decided to set it in the time of distance of, of the new the sequel trilogy because they were going to look forward instead of backward mm-hmm. but in doing so they still made it very much with you know <coughs> you know uh, inspir- they were totally inspired by mm. all of the imagery from all of the movies that we've seen thus far um, and hence there are you know droid very familiar droids parked over here and there's all this different 
looking the, the whole look to it is definitely got a Tatooine and Jakku and Jetta kind of feel to it. And uh, they created an immensely detailed and outstanding mm. land that's you could go in and just hang out all day. And it it's otherworldly. You walk in there and you don't even know you're you, you you're in a theme park. It just feels so much different. And on top of that, mm. they had all of the cast members come up with their own backstories. You know, you know, you ask a cast member where they're from. They're gonna, not going to say I'm from Chicago or New York. They're going to say, oh, I'm from Hoth or I'm from Naboo. Or, and they have their own backstories. And uh, I think that's kind of been dropped a little bit because at first they wanted this to be like so immersive that mm-hmm. you know they weren't talking about dollars they were talking about credits they weren't talking about they had all the this weird names of food that were foreign but then they realized that they had so many guests asking questions that they had to pull back on it a little bit yeah and then the then covid shut things down for a bit so they kind of had to do a, a hard reset <coughs> some of that but it has been absolutely and I'll tell you this much I don't care if any you know detractors be detractors fine <laughs> i was just there the place is packed in and out all the way around all day long until maybe the last hour. And then, it, and then it's even cooler because it's dark. Yeah. yeah. Lit up beautifully. And, and just walking around there in the dark is amazing. And they built a cantina. They built, they have a whole backstory. There's a comic books and novels that go along with it. It's been mentioned in in things like solo, um, you know, characters like doc Undar or black spire. You couldn't get from here to black spire without me. You know, L3 said makes a comment, and that's all. That's Black Spire. They're referring. So, just an, an amazing place. If those people who are listening, if you are watching, if you haven't been there, make an effort to get there. But I know I'm rambling here. Oh no! no but no, they no. built two attractions. Now, of right. course, it's a theme park, so you got to have rides. They built two. They built Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Which is essentially you get to ride the Falcon. You get to pilot the freaking Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Yes. It's sitting there, I, I don't know a single person our age who hasn't walked up to that thing and seen it the Falcon sitting there and hasn't wept the first time. Oh, saw it. I, I'm I've seen videos I'm sure I would. I'm sure just it's it's the Falcon. I mean Yeah, it's every bit the Falcon. And even the cast who have seen it, they're like, you know, when when they built this, you know, on a set, it's a set. You can yeah. clearly see that it's a set. It's only half the ship or it's missing the whole back or whatever. Here, yeah. it's the Falcon, you know. And then through a series of corridors, you walk in and then you're actually inside. You're inside the Falcon. There's the chess table. There's the training remote. There's a bed that Finn was <coughs> helping Chewbacca get better. There's the little nook that Leia and Han made out in before 3PO interrupted them. It's all there. And um, and then you are on a mission to retrieve some coaxium uh, again from from the solo story, uh, and you're on a mission with Hondo Onaka, who's a character from the Clone Wars, beautiful animatronic, and uh, he he's kind of a shifty character but lovable. Mm-hmm. And he you go on this mission, and you can either be the pilot or a gunner or an engineer. And frankly, I have had a lot of fun doing all three, although piloting probably is the most fun just because you have the most control but the funny thing about piloting is that there's two pilots one can only pilot it up and down and the other one can only pilot it left and right right so uh one time and i mentioned mentioned this in our previous episode uh a few trips ago maybe back in december i went on the ride as an engineer so i was in the back and two little kids were piloting like (laughs) brother and sister maybe eight and nine years old oh my goodness it was hysterical they ran into everything they literally hit everything they could hit and some people get upset at that and i was i was loving it because as an engineer you have to constantly repair the ship when it breaks well they were constantly hitting stuff so i'm constantly hitting buttons to keep it running it was (coughs) so much fun um and and just just a great experience and and the ship can get damaged or it can be really good you can get good credits and things like that and it actually can get part you know with the you know um the, it can remember it can remember what you did because of your magic band and everything else and mm-hmm. that can come back and and you can that can help you later on um so the you know smugglers run great ride but that's the b attraction the a attraction of course rise of the resistance resistance yes 
considered by many to be the best theme park ride ever created thus far in the world. Wow. Um, so, you know, or at least the best in Florida. It is a trackless ride system, but it's more than that. It, I, I can't even go into all of it, but it, let's just say that it's about a, when all said and done, you are, once you get beyond the line, you are experiencing close to, I think it's 18 minutes. Wow. Eight, yes. Between going in and being, you're getting on the mission, you're getting your mission briefing from Ray and from Poe and then getting on this escape ship, which you think you're on the ride. It's not even the ride. It's a ship that's just trying to, you're trying to escape the two and he gets captured by the first order. And then you end up being tractor beamed onto a, to a star destroyer, a first order star destroyer, and there's a whole fleet of or a battalion of stormtroopers that are waiting for you in this gigantic hangar. That look, if you remember, in uh, you know, I know where they got this from. If you watch The Force Awakens when they first capture Poe, yeah, and they bring him on to the to the to the star destroyer, and he kind of goes, he's just looking around, all right, and he looks and he's like just blown away at everything. Mm -hmm. That's the look everybody gets when, oh. you, when you. And then the first order trooper uh, uh, officers escort you to the interrogation room where Kylo Ren and General Hux are there to interrogate you. And then they leave you there for a little bit and the resistance breaks you out of the prison. And they have these two R5 droids and these little transport units and you have to get into the transport unit and it's a trackless ride system that takes you all through the Star Destroyer and you run into Kylo Ren again and General Hux again and there's gunfights and black <laughs> fights and you're, and then all of a sudden the resistance shows up and oh my god it's the most amazing thing and you're in the middle wow. of it all and John Williams score is blaring throughout the whole thing and if that wasn't enough you have to get you have to escape the ship so you end up on this kind of free fall almost like a almost like a tower of terror drop to get out of there and then you're back home and it's just amazing i know wow spoiler alert i didn't do it justice but i will tell you that it's almost impossible to you know, now you know, prior to the new way they do the Genie Plus, which is like a paid, paid for system, you they used to use a virtual queue, and it, you would it would the entire day would get taken up by, I would say, the first thirty seconds of of when they opened it. It, it was that popular, yeah. and and uh, it's it's just crazy. So I definitely can't wait to take take my daughter to oh, yeah. it. It's, yeah, oh, it's a great. Really... That one is a great family ride. So one of those ones a little bit more. Um, a little more like could be a little more queasy. It's a little more flight simulator, right? Kind of thing. So it can be a little bit daunting in that sense, but it's still a fun ride. So oh, both of them. Yeah, I would. And just the the food creation, and there is not a single item of product of merchandise that is. It's all unique to Batu. It's all like in world. You know, there's a toy maker <coughs> going by, little looking like handmade toys and the best part about this is that everybody in Batu, no one's ever heard of star wars you're not celebrating star wars you're in and star wars you know what this reminds me of just what you said and it's something completely different it's not sci-fi but if you've ever been out east to plymouth plymouth plantation they do the same thing uh if you go to plymouth plantation they they will have nothing about any anything modern. Like well, if you say if you colonial, say like colonial yeah. Williamsburg does the yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, if you say something like, "Well, I drove here in my car," and they'll be like, "What's a car?" You know, they they act like they don't know what a car. Is. So this sounds like kind of the same thing. What's a car? <laughs> yeah, what's a car? Yeah, that it is, and um, and 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 it's just it's just a fantastic space, and. Um, there's a, you know, like I said, you know, the merchandise, the canteen. I mean, it's just it's it's overwhelming, you know. It's now, here's a question: Have they have they come out with Star Wars: The Flamethrower yet? <laughs> uh, no, but they're coming close. I'm I'm sure I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure they're discussing it. Merchandising. So, yeah, merchandising. Merchandising. Uh, anyway, so it, it you know just it, you know that to me is I almost think that the Galaxy's Edge is is their crowning achievement. Um, there was, you know, there were some people that feel that the uh, the concept art that they showed, uh, one thing that uh, they had a lot of, there was also talk about a third ride. It was going to be kind of like, if you can imagine in how in Main Street, 
USA, uh, in the Magic Kingdom, there are vehicles like like trolleys and, and whatnot, horse-drawn carriages that'll take you up and down the street. They had some ideas about doing something like that <coughs> otherworldly, like having yeah. like a bantha that could, you know, take eight people, mm. you know, from one side of Batu to the other, or Black Spire to the other. And Although, and I saw, if you watched, there's an Imagineering thing on Disney Plus, like the history of Imagineering. They actually show some some concepts that, you know, like some practice runs of like some stuff that they were early testing that they were doing. Um, it didn't come to fruition yet. Maybe it's something they'll consider, uh, but it's just not there yet. And and the other thing that was missing was um, there weren't a lot of characters. I mean, there was, there was you know, you can see Ray. See Chewy, you can see the first order, the Kylo Ren, some stormtroopers. Um, but there weren't a lot of droids, okay. Uh, and I and as I, you know, the whole reason behind that was very simple. I believe it's because you know when there's droids running around, that costs a lot of money to have a mm -hmm. droid that have somebody keep the droid operating, to have someone run the droid, yeah, have a handler with the droid. You can't, you know, there's like four people for one droid. Droid, yeah. You know, that's a lot of people to pay to do that. So from a budgetary standpoint, it didn't make much sense when, so what they did was they built these soda carts that have droids on them and they can roll them and move them and the cart and the droids move and their heads move. So they do have that, but they have it in a kind of a different way. You can talk to them. You don't have to buy soda to talk to the droids. You can do what you want. So um, they're trying to come up with different ways to yeah. make that happen. So Galaxy's Edge yeah. Uh, really uh, a, a phenomenal addition. I know they're building a, a smaller version of it in Hong Kong, I think. Maybe hmm. Paris. I'm not sure. Um, I know they want to eventually get something of the, you know, I don't of think it'll all be, the main, all the main theme parks they want to get in there. <coughs> yeah. Disneyland has it, it does it even a little, I think, a little better because I think because Disneyland is more of a locals park. They kind of switch out food and they add different food options. Mm. Um, they they just do a couple of little things more in there, little things, nothing serious, nothing seriously different, but just a little bit. But yeah, so Galaxy's Edge, um, yeah, I can't I can't say enough. Just just an amazing thing. Now I will say this: they also have outside of the outside of that section, at least in the Florida park, they have what's called the Star Wars Launch Bay, which was pre pre pandemic. Um, kind of where you could go to celebrate Star Wars. Okay, they had props and costumes, and you could have um, just meet and greets with Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Kylo Ren. Um, mm. they, they had a little, you know, they, they they did some cool fireworks things at night, and they would have like little dessert parties in there. And there was, of course, a nice shop where you could buy a lot of, you know, Star Wars merchandise. But since the pandemic, that has only been they they the, you can go we can walk through it you can walk through the see the props and costumes and stuff but there's nothing else active right now no meet and greets or anything mm. hopefully they'll come back um, yeah. I do think it's nice for them to have a a place to celebrate Star Wars and they still have Star Tours which does it too so you know who knows if it's gonna you know go away completely or what have you but yeah. it was a kind of a placeholder while they were building galaxy's edge so it's possible that they might just close it down but it's still a cool place to visit yeah um so then all right so why don't we move on well after well one of the first things that i remember after hearing about um all of all of the you know what you just talked about was uh the debut of rebels um, yes, the first animated series after the end of the Clone Wars, um, which took place not long after the end of the Clone. Wars. So it's like height. It was the first time that you're seeing something that was after after the after the Clone Wars after ended. the Clone Wars, but before New Hope. Because right. I think I think Rebels came out. Yeah, Rebels came out before. Like, yeah, definitely came out before the um, the. Um, it was about five five years before New Hope in, in yeah in, in, uh, in calendar. Yes, because um, timeline the, whatever. Ezra is the same age as Luke because that Correct. was the yeah because the main character Ezra. Now, this was a series that you definitely for me had to had to grow on me. Um, the first season was definitely very kid kid-friendly i i feel um, i feel like disney has 
been trying to and, and and I don't know how successful or unsuccessful they are they are with this, but I think they've been trying to uh, introduce Star Wars to young children. Yes, in yes. a way, and that they've done it a lot of different ways. And yeah, I think Rebels was a very bold attempt to do mm-hmm. that, but I think that because of the nature of particularly the way Dave Filoni tells stories. Definitely. Um, there's a maturity to his storytelling. There is. And I think I think they quickly realized, I think by probably the end of the first season, who their main audience was and who was watching, which were former Clone Wars fans. Right. So once they saw that, they're like, okay, we need to kind of make this a little bit more gritty and a little bit more, not necessarily mature, but... Um, yeah, by the time you get to the, the 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 those last few seasons, there's some. I mean, you're seeing people get killed. You're yeah. seeing yeah, you're, you're seeing you're, some pretty serious. Uh, you're seeing serious serious drama happening. Yeah, um, you know they they left Ahsoka. Uh, they left her fate very questionable for a little while there. For a while, yeah, definitely. You, you know, so uh, and um, some just and some great character moments and some. I mean, for me, some of my favorite scenes in star wars have come from the clone war uh, from both the clone wars and from rebels um ahsoka ahsoka uh confronting vader for the first time mm-hmm. was just so heart-wrenching bringing and, rex back bringing rex oh back. bringing rex back very and, interesting oh yeah and that dynamic between him and um kanan kanan yeah. you know with kanan being you know not trusting him and having that but we we find out the reason what happened in right. in right. the seventh season of the cult, which we'll get to that too. Yeah, um, and Brad Batch. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. Right, we're so, getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, right. we're getting ahead of ourselves. But like, and bringing back you know different voices, you know, bringing back um, uh, Hayden Christensen, not Hayden Christensen, uh, Matt Lanter, Matt Lanter. And- and James Earl Jones. And James Earl Jones to both do the voice of Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. Awesome. Oh, really. just so, so good. Um, yeah. uh, I I thought I, I did feel that the animation they took a they took a, a, a few steps back from wars. Mm. I think part of that was an expense reason. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely tell. What's one thing I do I have liked about the the different series that they've done is between whether it be Clone Wars, um, resist resist is it Resistance? Is the, is the other one, yeah, and, and Rebels that. is each one has had a completely different animation style, right? Like everyone, so it's so which I kind of like that. I like that they're not all one, all all one, and they're all geared towards different people. Yes. Like you could tell you watch Resistance, you could tell okay, this is geared towards the nine to maybe twelve year, maybe twelve to thirteen year old kid. Uh, it's got more of that classic Saturday morning cartoon feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, more, you know, more two D animation. Whereas Rebels and especially Clone Wars are geared more towards your hardcore fans. And we're not even ta- we're not even ta- we haven't even talked about Forces of Destiny. Yeah, or, or Galaxy the, of Heroes, the Galaxy of Heroes, stuff like that, which yeah. is a great way for especially being a being a, a father of a little girl right. to introduce her to. The, the the women of Star Wars, the cla- the heroines of Star Wars, the Grey and Leia and mm-hmm. um, characters now, like that. Yeah. Now let's let's move on to those because um, those were a little different in that they they were. Uh, I'm talking spe- specifically Forces of Destiny and Galaxy of Heroes. In in some way, the Galaxy of Heroes was a, was a unique thing. They basically took. Um, they were just trying to stylize, but utilizing the sounds and dialogue and sound effects from from the actual movies. Yeah, they were trying to stylize these characters mm-hmm. in a way, and they did have a, a toy tie-in, and and but Forces of Destiny was a serious <coughs> toy tie-in. I mean, they were really trying to gear that mm-hmm. for, for girls. Oh yeah, girls. And it's, there's, there were a lot of detractors with that, a lot of haters on that, and I and I laughed because I'm like, um, uh, let's see. Transformers, G.I. Joe, and oh, of course, let's not forget He-Man. All right. In the 80s, those things were 
that's exactly what they did. They were tied in toy yeah. and cartoon. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very common thing. I don't think that's that's something that Lucasfilm should get, you know, thrown under the bus for. No. And again, they're just trying to keep the brand alive. And they know well. They know well and good that little girls who start off like playing with little Jin dolls or little Leia dolls or little Padme dolls are going to become fans that are going to want to see these movies. They're going to yeah. want to see these characters continue. <coughs> They're going to want to see stories with these characters and new characters. Yeah. So, um, um, so I enjoyed that. Now, of course, that was the, those were more f- short form. Yeah, like, yeah. like like 10, 15 minutes. Which, oh, which for even, that age, I don't even think they were 10, 15 minutes. I think no, they were not like, that, like five. Four yeah, four, four or five, five minutes. minutes. One minute for, for like Galaxy of Heroes. They were for, really for like the, the age group that they were geared towards, those were perfect. Yes. Like, you know, you have like, you know, let's be honest, little kids don't always have that long of an attention span. So, and when they're you're trying to, short form right now, like with yeah, when you're trying to introduce them to something like that, the best some of the one of the best ways to do that is with these little short form little videos that they can watch and get introduced to these characters. And then as they get older, you can introduce them into kind of like what I'm doing with my daughter, you know, I'm introducing her slowly through the movies. Um, yep, we we just finished uh, a couple weeks ago, finished Force Awakens. Oh, I will say, um. Back to Rebels for one second. Uh, yeah. The character of Sabine was a favorite in our house. Yes, I like our daughter Sabine. was our daughter was an artist, is an artist, mm-hmm. and uh, to to have a Star Wars character who was specifically an artist was mm-hmm. uh, unique. That that it was new and uh, yeah. was kind of a cool thing to to do. Um, so, all right. So we've talked about Rebels. We talked about Forces of Destiny. We talked about Galaxies or Galaxy, uh, Galaxy of Heroes. Well, we had the two, we had uh, the big announcement, because I remember it was probably about three or four years ago, I started seeing stuff on Facebook and Twitter, Save the Clone Wars. And Save the Clone Wars, Save the Clone Wars, Save the Clone Wars, give us a season seven. Well, what part of that was that with the purchase of Lucasfilm by Disney, um, they kind of put the kibosh on yeah. Clone Wars. However, I don't know how much longer they were planning on doing it, but I know that they had more stories, and uh, they decided to, you know, yeah. nix, nix it. And uh, then, and then uh, they did eventually uh, get a sixth season, partial sixth season, six season to get some of those uh, unfinished episodes done. Yeah. So they were able to do a little bit more, which is great. But then there was, it was, uh, I believe it was the celebration, Star Wars yeah. celebration. They come, they did the huge announcement that the Clone Wars were coming out with season seven. Yep. And I, I think I, along with every, with every other Star Wars fan, lost their, lost their mind because we were going to see, we knew what we were going to see. Right. We went into this, we knew we were going to see. Order 66. Right. I mean, that right there, we're going to see Order 66. And how does this, you know, because it was everybody's question. I mean, I mean, you know, Lucasfilm was, you know, you want to talk about a brilliant strategy. I mean, they could have let Revenge of the Sith tell the Order 66 story and let it be, let it be done. Mm -hmm. Okay. They could have done that. But then they continued on with the Clone Wars and they set everything up with a different angle and they got everybody invested. In these characters, these and clones. because you knew there it was one of those things that you knew going in, you knew Rex was going to survive because you already yeah. seen him in Rebels. Oh, well, you yeah. Knew, yes, yeah. yes, you knew, you knew but, Ahsoka was, but you didn't know how. Right, you, you're like, how are they going to get out of this? And what other clones are going to, are any of the other clones going to survive? Mm-hmm. Or are they... and they and they ended it so perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that last those, those last two scenes with Ahsoka. Sitting at, at the, the the grave of all the, I mean, if you didn't have a tear in your eye, you weren't human. No, and then seeing Vader, Clone Wars Vader, right, in the Clone Wars animation, hold, holding the lightsaber, and looking looking up and seeing the the, the owl fly I mean, around, and Just, and uh, oh. so cool with both Rebels and and to a lesser extent Clone Wars <clears throat> to to still continue to use unused or mm-hmm. unused uh, Ralph McQuarrie art and, and that instead that was not never really put into use and then use it and to utilize things like the troop transport, which was mm-hmm. a star Wars toy 
put designed by Kenner <coughs> that you know they put in because you know Dave Filoni was a kid loving loved playing with it. Yeah. So let's put yeah. it in to make it real. Well, so, and the, the that last season of Clone Wars also introduced something that would come later, uh, the Bad Batch. Yes, we got our introduction to the Bad Batch. An awesome, like backdoor pilot. Yeah, uh, that who knew that we were going to get that? And, and again, I'm again opening up another aspect of the Star Wars universe that hadn't really been talked about: the rise of the Empire. Right, like you see the Empire rising and how everything fit together and how it worked, and it was just so amazing. Just and and it it answered. It answered questions we don't. Some questions we didn't even know we wanted to know. I know, right? And yeah, it, it you know, and 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 so what a kudos to D. Bradley Baker for mm. the voice work he does with the clones, with those with Hunter and 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 Crosshair and I mean they and Wrecker. They're just they're all how different can they be? But they all be the same guy, you know? It's just crazy. Yeah. Um. And and I just yeah, it, it was great. And then introducing the um um. Omega, Omega, yeah, and and just kind of seeing where that goes. So, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to seeing where season two goes with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we've seen the end of you know end of their story, but to say the least, I think it's going to go in a lot of other interesting places, um, and we'll see what happens. But let's let's, Move let's on. talk about the let's talk about the giant Beskar in the room, and uh, let's 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 get on with it. Um, this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. But this is not the way a lot of people thought it was going to go. I'll be honest people... with you. Okay, I'll be go. honest. When I first heard that they were doing the Man a Mandalorian, that the show is going to, they're doing a TV show, a live action TV show is going to be called The Mandalorian. My first thought, and what I was, in a way, I, I was actually kind of hoping for initially, even though I love what we had, I thought we were going to go Old Republic. I thought they were going to do the Mandalorian, the the Jedi, the, the Jedi Mandalorian War. I was totally surprised when I found out, like, oh, it's going to be set after Return of the Jedi. And I was just like, yeah. oh. But then I saw, I was, I was like, oh. But then I saw the first first photos of it. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I I'm, I'm on board. It's I'm on board. Again, you know, you and you know me. I'm 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 one that's like, look, it's Star Wars, and I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I was gonna give it a shot. I was just kind of like, too. I was like, oh, you know, I was like, but then once I saw, I'm like, you you got me. First of all, one of yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm not a gamer, so you know, the old Republic and 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 the you know any of the any of the games that have mm -hmm. been played and that have, and the stories that have gone there. I, I've played some games, but I don't really. I, I just I kind of follow them kind of ancillary, you know. Yeah. They're not they're not a big part of my upbringing. Right. So so for them to have that versus something else, I would not have had any investment in that. Mm -hmm. But I can I can understand, you know. For me, I was like I'm just you know, I was cautiously optimistic, mm -hmm. you know. And I said, look, they're gonna. It's I know they got people in charge. I know John Favreau, and let's talk about that. I mean, you know, we went into, you know, you know, Lucasfilm went into a different direction when it came to TV. They took a big mm -hmm. gamble with with streaming, but they they entrusted it to the man who essentially launched Marvel. Yeah, and right? and they they and the, and the man who launched the Clone Wars, like who who designed Filoni. Yeah, Filoni. You put these two guys Favreau, together, yeah. and I think that they made a uh, they made a, a gamble, but I think it was a a reasonably safe gamble. Yeah, and you can tell how much how much faith they had in not only the show, but these two men. Is this was the show that launched the network? Right. And that was it. Was the Mandalorian was the show that was going to launch everything? Yeah. Now the consider the fact that when it comes to you know movies that are in the mm -hmm. that are in the theater, these are tentpole movies. Okay, they know. They, they have to create a certain type of movie in a certain type of way that's not going to, uh, you know, that everyone's going to get <coughs> and understand, which is why sometimes they're very derivative, at least the first one. And then, you know, the other ones that came after that, you know, they could play around with. But, you know, they had a hit with, with Rogue One, but then Solo came around with this, you know, standalone, and they were like, hmm, maybe this was something. I think at that point they were saying 
maybe this is something because it didn't do quite as well that it could have worked better on streaming. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you have the Mandalorian and you have that that character show up from you know the first moment on screen, that first scene when he comes into that bar looking at the looking at the mithril look and you you just an entire <coughs> new expansion of the world we already mm. knew was created yeah and it was something that i mean look i have the best comp you know the best compliment i can give you know my family were i mean don't get me wrong they like star wars but you know they're not like me right mm-hmm. but my wife my daughter we watched it and it was it. It became required viewing. Yeah, like one we thing for, had, to, you know, one thing for me I noticed about it was, it was different. It, it was different. It was something different, but yet it felt familiar. Well, that's the like, thing. Yeah. Immediately, you knew, like, like until you get later on and you start getting care, you know, you know, characters that we've ran into before, uh, whether it be you know, Clone Wars or Rebels, right, uh, or the or you know the movies. You still, you still knew you were in the Star Wars universe. There was yes. something very familiar, even before you saw the first stormtrooper. You just it was like, okay, you you knew you were in the Star Wars universe. Not right. not just even not with not even not with Jen's helmet and you know the the Mandalorian armor that he was wearing. It still felt like you were in the Star Wars universe. You knew exactly, like exactly. yeah, yeah, and and I think that that uh, that, but this shorter form of storytelling mm-hmm. allowed the the uh, storytellers to really uh, to tell a more intimate story to tell mm-hmm. a story that didn't have to be over the top um you know every ship ever created going to exegol to you know to try to top everything that they did that there's anything wrong with that that was great yeah but they didn't have to do that they, yeah. they could tell a more intimate story. They could tell a story about a character who was never even there before. Think about it. There was nobody in that story in that first season anyway. The only thing that captured some people's imagine, you know, a little bit some familiarity was of course the the the, the asset, the child, baby Yoda, mm-hmm. eventually yeah. known as Grogu. Grogu. And I think that was really the only thing that um, and that wasn't even a character. That was that wasn't a familiar character. It was a familiar species, but you know they had droids. They had other characters like Trandosans and Clatoonians and whatever. So, you know, and of course the Mandalorian himself is very he's, very, he's got a similar look and vibe to Boba Fett. So that was an interesting thing. But boy, did that show take the world by storm! Oh, and of course. You can't let's you, let's we mentioned him, Baby Yoda, sweet sweet Baby Yoda, as some call him. Uh, you know, Grogu. Grogu. Like to call him that, but I mean, what an amazingly uh, you know, it's so funny that Star Wars, ever since the Ewoks were around, yeah, Star Wars has always, when you least expect it, jumped that cute, cute, you know, that cute market, mm-hmm. and boy, did they. Did they do? Did they knock it yeah. out of the park with him? You know. Um, but, yeah. What a smart move to not have any ad, any uh, merchandising that first year, mm-hmm. because you didn't want it to be you. You know, you didn't want to be revealed. You wanted the mm. surprise, and boy, was that a surprise! Oh yeah, yeah, Good that time. was so. And of course, after with the on top of the success of um, that. We have uh, the Boba Fett, uh, Book of Boba Fett. Yep. Um, which, I mean, just recently ended, not that long, not too long ago. No. Um, and, you know, with that one, I thought I, I, I got to applaud Lucasfilm for taking a bold stance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, you know, you, you could have told a story about a badass uh, bounty, know, hunter. bounty hunter. Yeah. That, Every, you know, who it, it, but instead they decided to, you know, we already saw that story, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what my thought was. We already saw, you know, what drove Boba Fett to become Boba Fett. We saw what he was like in the, you know, Empire and Jedi. 
with this like you know collective four lines of dialogue and you know very one of which being a wilhelm wilhelm scream i always like to add that in yes and then and then they were able to develop a much more interesting oh i i'll i'll be the first one to admit i was not a boba fett fan i was not a boba fett fanboy i thought he was just a plot point character if anything he was just there to move a plot plot, plot along yeah i didn't it was just like oh it's boba fett yeah he's got cool armor right they made me fall in love with boba fett like right. i i thought this character was i thought he was just so awesome yeah and and to me i you know he made a character that was really just relevant for his for this cool costume they made him relevant for real you know, for, for, yeah. because he's an interesting character <laughs> and he grew and changed and, you know, formulated a different type of persona, but he still had his, you know, kick butt kind of things from time to time. Now, you know, there are some detractors. I mean, my, I, I will say, I thought another bold move on it, if you haven't seen it, having Spoilers. the seven episode arc, seven episode story of the Boba, book of Boba Fett literally really be a five <laughs> Four episodes of Book of Boba Fett, two episodes of The Mandalorian, and then one episode of Book of Boba Fett again. Yeah. They literally just went away. Yeah. Yeah. It was now that was very, very, very bold. And you knew they had they were gonna when they did that, you knew they had to say, okay, okay, we're probably gonna get some backlash for this. Yeah. We're but probably I think, gonna get I think it was a wise move. Yeah. Because, it told well, it told I mean, yeah, it told a whole uh, complete story that you I mean, couldn't tell without doing right, that. Tell why you know what was the Mandalorian doing there? So, you know, if you're gonna mm-hmm. bring him in, you gotta have <coughs> so yeah, that made sense. So, um, and of course, both the end of Mandalorian and beginning of or the middle of Book of Boba Fett, we get a return of Luke Skywalker, and that was you know, and this mm-hmm. is what what's what's hysterical is that you know, the the complainers the haters, the detractors, whatever you want to call them. Okay. You have people who, you know, felt that they didn't get the Luke Skywalker they wanted with the sequel trilogy. And then they bring Luke Skywalker back, literally Return of the Jedi, post-Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, black robes, green lightsaber, totally at his height Mm -hmm. in terms of skill level as a Jedi. And there are still some detractors now who say, well, this is just the worst thing that they could do. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. You, you go on thinking that. And I know that that's a different set of people and you can't please everybody and we get that. But um, I appreciated that. I appreciate the balance beam that mm-hmm. Lucasfilm is trying to stay up <coughs> by offering new storytelling having a return of some fav- character favorites you want to call it fan service i don't know why that's such a bad term yeah i don't i don't know i mean i i like introducing new characters and revisiting old characters yeah, i don't know yeah. it seems like it kind of it's it's fun and i think disney's been having fun with it and i think I you think, can yeah. have fun with it thanks to disney plus yeah so those are the two tv shows that well, live action well let's talk about what we have to look forward to in the future now because well, we have um, season three of The Mandalorian. Yes, coming out. We have uh, Obi One getting ready very to very very soon. End of the month, I believe, isn't it? Yep. Is it uh, May? Well, well, yeah, May twenty, May twenty fifth, or no, May twenty seventh. That's right. May twenty seventh. Uh, we have the Cassian Andor series, which uh is I think post production. I'm not sure. It's so funny. Like it got, it already got renewed for a season two and a three. Yeah. But it hasn't even had a, even had the first season. Yeah. Um, Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I've, I've heard rumors back and forth. If the rogue, if the rogue squadron is coming out or not. Yeah. And Rangers of the Republic, I think is also kind of on hiatus on hiatus too. But even without those two, I mean, we have, that's you know that's a that's that's a plenty yeah, big yeah we have thing. three three different TV shows there's still talk about a another trilogy mm-hmm. coming out uh there's still talk about more movies coming out there's just you know I yeah. I think they're they've already talked about Bad Batch season two 
right? No, there's there is a there's, there's a plethora, a, a plethora, plethora, a plethora, ra, of, plethora. Of, of, of I want to uh, sound like I would almost want to sound like uh, Sylvester the cat when I do that. Oh, yeah. Plethora, <laughs> suffer suckatash. Um, yeah, and there's just so much to be excited about, and and again, you know, I have to say it. I said it in four. I'll say it again. What did we have um, in you know around 2011? You know, right before the announcement of the sale. What did we have? We had Clone Wars. Yeah. Which is great. Nothing against Clone Wars. But we had Star Wars Angry Birds. We had Star Wars Family Guy. We had Star Wars Robot Chicken. We had possibly Star Wars Detours. Basically, we had Star Wars parodies all lined up, mm-hmm. which were we were get we were already starting to feel fatigue on. Well, even you know? with the books, we're yeah, I mean the books had gone so uh, well crazy. You know- that. Don't even get me started with the Yuzan Vong and, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm, I'm a busy person. I do not have time to read, you know, necessarily read a book, yeah. let alone, you know, when, when the, the new Jedi Order came out, there was 25, oh. 26 books. And we can go into a whole, my only thing I will say is that what I think, to me, the Yuzan Vong is when I stopped reading, because I was a avid reader, mm-hmm. but they would do the books before they got to the Vong, in three book increments, like right. the trilogies. Like you'd have, like the, it started with the Thrawn trilogy, Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy. Right. Then right. you had another set of books that were like three or four books. You know, you might have four, you might have five at the most. Um, but usually the five books would be smaller books. Um, mm-hmm. I know the X-Wing series had several, but they were smaller books that you could read in like a day. Right. Um but then they got to the Vong, and then it was just. But let, that's a story for another. I know, another yeah, day. we can talk about it. But and yeah, and, yeah, and I do believe uh, a smart move on Lucasfilm was to create, take all the comic book and novel content, and call it Legends, mm-hmm. because that allowed can, them to draw from it. You can. That's best of both worlds. You yeah. have the stories. The stories are still there. You can enjoy them like a legendary story, <laughs> like the legend of Sleepy Hollow or the legend of of uh, mm-hmm. King Arthur. You know, it's like in. But in the Star Wars universe, they didn't. They're they're not necessarily truth, but they're there. You know, and mm-hmm. and it's like as stories. And that's exactly how these stories in a real universe. That's exactly how these stories would be passed around. And yes, you you're right. You hit the nail on the head. You can then start to take a little bit from them what you want pick and choose like grand admiral thrawn <coughs> you know, came came into rebel so some mm-hmm. some some awesome stuff there so um yeah so that's definitely. like that you know there's been quite a bit now i i do want to save one last thing that yeah. I, I saved for the very end because we didn't i mean going bouncing back to galaxy's edge for a moment or should i say right next to galaxy's edge they just opened the star wars galactic Star Cruiser. Star Cruiser. Yes. I will not call it a Star Wars hotel. It is not a Star Wars hotel. It is, if you have to call it something in world, in our world, call it a Star Wars themed escape room, uh, LARPing adventure that also has a sleeping component and cruise ship style eating. It's Boy, that, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot to put on the billboard. That's a lot to put on the billboard, <laughs> but that's exactly what it is. And and it's. It's incredible looking, and it's absolutely innovative. It has not been done in this capacity before, and I am so excited. I have my tickets booked. Some people, you know, judge people who go on these things too harshly. I feel, uh, you know, if you have that, you have that money to spend, you're just throwing your money away. First of all, you know, to each their own. But uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. You know, how if you like it, great. If you don't like it, don't go. There are plenty of people that are in line to go, and they they, mm. they had a packed all of uh, April and all I think all of May and all of June, I think are fully sold out. So obviously wow. there are people that want to go. So definitely, um, it, it's it's important to uh, to do that. So to be aware of that. But oh. um, another really cool thing. So much has come out of this. Now uh, we also have things like. You know, not Star Wars related. We have an Indiana Jones fifth movie. We have the Willow TV series. Yes. So, you know, that those are cool. Uh, I don't want to call, you know, they're, too, they're also ran kind of things, but it's exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing 
how they play. Definitely, out. definitely, definitely. So, so yeah, definitely. Well, uh, before we wrap up again, as I know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is of course our fifth anniversary. Um, I just want to give a quick thanks to everyone who has been a part of War of the Stars for these past five years. Uh, anyone who's been a co-host on here, which we've had several. Um, and I'd like to think that every co-host that we've had, we've um, that has left the show, we've left always left on good terms. Um, so thank you to a few people to shout out real quick. Uh, thank you to Christopher Stolle, who was the very first co-host of War of the Stars and who helped actually start War of the Stars. Um, quick little side note here. Uh, War of the Stars started um, five years ago through a Facebook group. And I just happened to mention that I was interested in starting a, a Star Wars podcast. And Chris uh, messaged me on Facebook Messenger and told me that he had this show called Breaking the Fourth Wall. And if I'd like to be on to promote the show. And at the time, I'm like, dude, I have no show to promote. I just have an idea of like, like to do a Star Wars podcast. Uh, but he brought me on. And I was on, there, on the show a few times. And we started talking. And he and a few of his friends said, hey, we can do the recording for you. And literally, this is what I had to do the show with. I had a cell phone. That's all I had. And so the very first episodes were done with me on on a cell phone through Skype. And they were doing the recordings. Um, thank Brian Miller, who is now a part of the Star Wars Canon podcast. Um, and is going a very successfully successful podcast now. Uh, that's branched off into other podcasts now. Um and he's been on the show several times. Um, he's got the nickname here of uh, of Brian from Accounting. Oh, <laughs> it's an inside joke. I um, I want to thank, of course, um, Ray and um, Joe. Uh, Ray and Joe. Sorry, my mind went brain fart for a bit. Who were the previous co-hosts right before Will took over? Um, uh, Mario Hernandez, who's a co-host for a short amount of time too. All the guests that we've had on, um, which we've had several, several guests. I'm, I can't even, I'm not even going to try to mention all their names and who, who we've had on. Uh, but, and of course, to all of the listeners who have listened or, and still listen to, or have ever listened to War of the Stars. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you we would not be here without you guys. And uh, we look forward to bringing you five more years, if not more, of great Star Wars content. Um, and even better Star Wars content. We want to get, we want to get better. We want to make, have the best Star Wars podcast there is out there. Um, so yeah. All right. Will, why don't you tell the folks out there where they can find you at? Okay, well, uh, when not working on this podcast, I have my own YouTube channel, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing Show, and it uh, drops new episodes on usually on Sundays and Wednesdays. We have just gotten back, as I mentioned, from Batu, so we did a really nice, fun just walk around. I always like to do a walk around video, see how things are going. That should be dropping this week. And it is actually an hour long. It's an hour long video, which I don't normally do. And it just happened to take that long. But um, I just had a lot of stuff I wanted to share with people on there. And it's a lot of fun. And check out all my other videos there. Darth Tuba. Uh, you can follow me at on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Tuba. Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook. Or email me, DarthTuba77 at gmail.com. All right. Now, as for us, of course, if you want to email us, you can do so at warofthestars1 at gmail.com. That is one of the best places to get a hold of us. Or the second best place to get a hold of us is at warofthestars1 on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Facebook group. Just search for War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash warofthestars.com. 
Um, we will be, I'm going to, hopefully I'm going to be working on getting some things to, uh, incentives to go there and to support the show. If you get stuff or you can go to spreadshirt.com forward slash shop forward slash war of the stars and get stuff like this cool t-shirt, buy the merchandise, buy it. Merchandising. Merchandising. (laughs) Uh, of course we are a proud member of the red five network red5network.com for more information on all the shows again thank you for five years of war of the stars Um, it's been a fun ride and we look continue to look forward to having the ride again with you so as always remember this isn't just my star wars this isn't just your star wars this is our star wars until next time may the force be with you And tilt the spire, everyone.